I am so glad you decided to join us today. This is the Words for Life podcast, where we have candid conversations about successes, challenges, and the benefits of strengthening your relationship with God. This will positively impact your life. Welcome to another Words for Life discussion. I'm your host, Terrence Farrell, a.k.a. T. Farrell. And, oh man, we got an awesome episode. I have my my good friend, uh, Pastor Abraham J. Jules. I should say Dr. Abraham J. Jules. Now, he's from Trinidad. Um, and the, the thing is, here's one of the things. I know, I know quite a bit of pastors, and... A lot of them, you know, they go in one direction and they said, you know, I was called by God and, you know, I didn't expect to do it. But when he called, I just had to accept the call. But Dr. Jules, um, his bio says from an early age, he always wanted to be in gospel ministry and he accepted the call from an early age. So it's like the majority of his life. That's that was his focus. Like he knew that's what he wanted to do. And he just kept kept trucking along and kept kept being in now. Uh, a fact that some people don't know. Um, he was my pastor at Kingsborough Temple, and he was the catalyst for me really digging into the Bible and and um, taking an affinity for studying the Word of God like I never did before. It was a couple of questions I had asked. It was a pastor's hour. I think I was a visitor, and he answered them, and it was just like, really? And he just piqued my curiosity. So just his delivery has always been is always been beneficial to me. Now, before we go into the discussion, I wanted to wanted to share a little testimony, a little little thought I had on my heart. Um, I was doing devotion one day and I read in Proverbs 1125. It says a generous, a generous man. And I'm reading from the Amplified version. A generous man is a source of blessings and shall be prosperous and enriched. And he who waters will himself be watered, reaping the generosity he has sown. And, you know, I read that, you know, Proverbs has a lot lot of wisdom. And I thought to myself, man, that's that's a good principle. And I see how it can work. But the temptation is, and I've had this temptation, is to now use that and make success the goal. And say, okay, if I keep giving, you know, it's going to come back. And the heart becomes in a place of, I want to get mine. So I'm going to give, 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 give and wait for mine to come in. And I'm with this group, a group of uh, Christian entrepreneurs. And the question that was, I wrote the question down. The question that they posed in our last meeting was, what's the difference between generosity and giving? And we had to... You know, we, we, we chopped through it and, and was discussing. And what one of the things we came up with is generosity is a mindset. It's almost it's a heart posture. Giving is a task. And then somebody said, if you're generous, you'll give. But just because you're giving doesn't mean you're generous, doesn't mean you're, you're a generous person. So it's just something that I want to leave you with. Generosity is more than just you know, being okay with doing the task of giving. It, it, it goes further than that. And my, my uh, uh, call to you, if, if you accept it, if you choose to accept it, is to work on being a generous individual. It will pay off dividends way more than money. 
And we also talked about that generosity goes past money. It goes for time. It goes for caring. It goes all of that stuff. So just something I just want to drop just so that you can you can feed on that. Another another word for your life. Words for life. There it is. There it is. So now without further ado, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to help me welcome Dr. Abraham J. Jules. Dr. Jules, how you doing, man? Doing great, Terrence. So glad to be with you tonight. That's cool. That's cool. I I have to ask. I mean, everybody. This 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 2020 has shaken a lot of people up. How's you and the family doing? How's things been going for you? Well, we've been doing well. I, I guess, like everyone else, it has been life altering in yeah. many many ways. Um, one of the things that happened, at least for me, I was home in New York for the entire year 2020, and yeah. it was strange to begin with. But I began to enjoy it immensely, nice. not nice. having to be on the road. So that 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 was uh, challenging and enjoyable both at the same time. Nice, nice. Now I do I do understand that it's an adjustment. It's definitely yeah, it is an adjustment. A major adjustment. Yes, yes, yes. So now I wanted to ask because you've done a lot. You've got your doctorate. You've preached all over. You've got you've gotten uh, ministerial awards and. I'm always curious to know, what's one of the most memorable success stories for you? I, I think uh, because I love evangelism, I also love church leadership. And, but I was in Harlem doing a meeting, and Harlem is very, very hard. Hmm. And uh, that was, I think, in 1995, 6, 7, whatever. And uh, we, we preached for six weeks and baptized uh, quite a number of people. And then they asked for a seventh week. That made it close to two months. And then asked for an eighth week uh, in Harlem. Mm-hmm. And when it was over, we had brought three churches together, New Hope, Ephesus, and City Tabernacle. Nice. I was the pastor of City Tabernacle at the time. And in Harlem, we baptized 302 individuals, started a new church. That stays with me at, I mean, and it will stay with me for the rest of my life because the territory, it was hard ground. Mm, and yet mm-hmm. God blessed us in Harlem of all places with the three churches coming together, Pastor Ron Smith um, uh, and um, the New Hope Church and City Tabernacle. Nice. In terms of success, I mean, there are many things that God has blessed with and I give glory to him. Uh, but that I will pick out as one of the uh, things that um, I think about quite a bit. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's one of the toughest areas I've ever been a pastor in. Right, right. Now, when you say, when you say tough area, you're just talking about um, the mindset of the people around or just um, people that just, they, they, they're doing their own thing, they don't really want to hear it, or, or right. you're just talking about, um, like, uh, uh, I want to say gangs, but more violence or things like that. Right. When I say tough, I mean, while there are many churches in Harlem and most of the people have a religious uh, affinity to, uh, you know, to the Christian church, that is. Right, right. Uh, most of them are black Americans. So they've come from the South. They have that background. The problem is Adventism does mm-hmm. not attract those people as much as the uh, Baptist churches, the congregational churches. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why it was hard. Mm. It was very tough. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. 
I understand. Definitely yeah. understand. Yeah. Definitely understand. You know, like everywhere else, it's, it's, it's secularism has taken over, mm-hmm. and you know, you have violence all over the city and all over the world. Right. Uh, but it was basically the inability of the Adventist Church to attract those people to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, start keeping the Sabbath, start worshiping on s- Saturday. Uh, right. Many of them thought it to be strange, but many accepted Christ and many accepted the seventh day Sabbath as the true day of rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's, 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 that's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I always tell people that um, when you stop focusing on the days and the rules and the, and things, because I wasn't, I wasn't raised seventh day Adventist either, right. but what grabbed me was if this is what God wants, like if yes. you have a, once you have a heart for God, it's like, well, once I find out that, oh, God yeah. wants this or this is what he was really saying, That's it's correct. something that, that pulls you. It's not like, well, no, you're wrong. If you do this, you're wrong. It's, it, it's not about the right or wrong. So yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things. But I find that, you know, people that, that now decide whatever God wants, I'm going to do. Now you just have to show that, no, it's, it's written right here. This is what God wants. And it, it, you said something there that's profound. It's not about days, it's about masters. Mm-hmm. Who's yes. going to be your master? Right, right. It's not about days. It's right. about who's going to be your master. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. I like that. like it yeah. a lot. Um, so now I got to flip it now. Uh-huh. What's one of the toughest things? And it could be anything. What's one of the yeah. toughest things God's pulled you through? Well, when I was about 16 years old, uh, my church in Brooklyn, uh, the Brooklyn Temple Church and the Brooklyn Faith Mission at the time, mm-hmm. we went on a picnic uh, to uh, Peekskill, New York from New York City. And uh, some of my friends drove in my father's car with me and my mother in our station wagon. Back then in the early 70s, it was station wagons, not SUVs. Yes, yes. So we drove up <laughs> and we went to Peekskill. And remember, I'm just about 16 years old. I think I was about 16. And uh, at that time, uh, we having fun. And I went out, went down by the lake after divine service. Um, and I saw a, 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 an aluminum canoe. I took that aluminum canoe and started taking my friends and everybody, all the young people on rides. We had about two busloads of people and a number of cars went up there to get Mm -hmm. away from the city in the summer. And it was June the 17th. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. And on that day, I finally stopped taking people rides, but they continued riding on the lake. And I'm standing at the back of the makeshift auditorium that we had used for worship that morning. And I saw one of my friends running and he said, they're drowning. On that day, the um, aluminum canoe turned over with them and four of my friends died that day. They brought out their dead bodies Mm. right there in front of us. Oh man. Um, Two of the people who drove up with me from Brooklyn in my father's car uh, died. So we went down with two less people. Oh man. That is, I'm 61 now. And uh, that has been the hardest and toughest thing for me. When that happened, people were saying it was the Jules boy that uh, killed the young people if he hadn't taken the canoe. Uh, So I had stopped going to church for about a year, year and a half. mm -hmm. And one day I said, you know what? I'm just going to go back to church. And I walked off the street, went back into church, never stopped going back. My pastor at the time was Pastor Milton Thomas. 
Mm. And he said to me, Brother Jules, I'm glad you're back. He said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want to be a preacher. He said, well, go and be a preacher. And mm. I left for Oakwood um, that August. Um, and it has changed my life. But that stays with me to this day. Um, mm. You know, as you can imagine, it's been very yeah. traumatic. Even now as a grown man, I know how to put it in its right place. Right. But you talk about something, one of the hardest thing that I've ever had to deal with. It is the hardest. Mm -hmm. And God is the one who took me through. I am who I am today because of God. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It could um, have gone the other way. Yeah. 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 Wow. 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 Yeah. Um, I don't even know. I was going to ask you what lessons you learned from that. But I don't. I don't even. I don't even know if the. If well, I, I learned. I learned a lot of lessons. I, yeah. I learned uh, that you have to be able to deal with the knocks of life, tragedies, mm -hmm. and and get up from it. I'd be knocked down, get up, and fight again. There's an old poet that says, "I'm hurt. I'm hurt, but I'm not slain. Mm -hmm. I'll lay me down and bleed a while." But I'll get up and fight again. The lesson I've learned is lesson of perseverance because uh, people don't mean to hurt you, but they may say things that will hurt you. Right. People don't mean to be mean at times, but sometimes they're careless and they say things that will push you further away from God and the church. You have to learn in spite of what people say and do because they did a lot when that happened with my name. They said it. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I've learned that lesson. I look to Christ, even though I stayed away from church for so long. But when I went back, mm -hmm. I did not care. I was going to go to church and I was not going to turn back. I was determined. So I learned the lesson of perseverance, learned the lesson of getting up after you've been knocked down, learned the lesson of trusting God. And he's the best friend you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, that, I think that's, that's definitely key. Definitely yeah. key. Yeah. Definitely key. Um, yeah. Wow, man. Um, that, that story, that just, that just hit me there. Yeah. That just hit me there. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's deep. Um, in, in hopes that it would help somebody else. And along the, along life, uh, if you stick with God long enough, there tends to be a moment or a word that he gives you, either through somebody or through your reading, that kind of alters your life. And it's like it's a it's a point in life where either you look at life from a different perspective or you your life is just turned a whole different way. And I wanted to ask if you if you'd mind sharing just one of those one of those times where you received the word from God that just altered your approach to life. Well, I'll tell you this. I was impacted greatly when I went to Oakwood. When I went to Oakwood, the entire environment of the university, it was college back then, mm -hmm. it was spiritual. There were activities taking place. There were preachers who would come in. Every weekend was exciting at the college. That's why when I started pastoring, I tried to make every Sabbath exciting at my church. Nice. Every single Sabbath. And to this day, I do the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because I knew what that did for me as a young man. But the men who were my professors at Oakwood, uh, Dr. E.E. E. Cleveland, mm -hmm. uh, Elder Henry Wright, and the pastor of the church at the time, Pastor E.C. Ward, these three men 
whether they spoke to me personally or not, they spoke into my life and they shaped my life. Mm. They shaped my life, uh, Elder Cleveland and Elder Henry Wright, in terms of preaching. They made me want to be a preacher. They made me want to study. They made me want to be a better Christian. Mm. They spoke into my life that way. Um, so that was life altering. When I left Oakwood, I had a foundation in God that came about because of the campus, but more importantly, because of those people. Now, they probably never even knew that they were speaking into my life because there are people who speak into your life. They don't even know they're speaking into your life, but you know it. Right. Well, well they did. And they spoke into me. And, and in, in a way, I, I emulated their life, the way they live, but I also emulated the way they preached, the fervor, the preparation, the study that they put into it. Mm-hmm. And, and it has blessed my life. E.C. Ward, the pastor of the church, he blessed my life in terms of church leadership and administration just by watching him from week to week. Mm. So my entire life, if you can tell, <laughs> my entire life is really ministry. Yeah. yeah I yeah. don't have too many hobbies. I, <laughs> everything I do is ministry all week long, every day. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I haven't been burnt out. I've been rejuvenated every day of my life. And as I said, I'm 61 years old now. Mm. I've been pastoring for 38 years and still excited about preparing sermons and preaching. So those men spoke into my life and have uh, really impacted me beyond measure. Mm. That's, that's, that's... I have been able to share that with Elder Cleveland. Uh-huh. So he knows before right. he died, he, he knew about it. He came to Kingsborough and preached when I was there. Right, uh, right. Elder Wright, I've spoken to him, and Elder E.C. Ward. So I was able, after I became a pastor and I became known, uh, they mm-hmm. were all proud of me, but I was able to share with them how they impacted my life. That's 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 awesome. That is awesome. And uh, yeah, absolutely right. A lot of times um, pastors don't know because they're just, they're just following a call and they don't know how much they impact like that's certain correct. individuals. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. That's correct. Yeah. But that's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I, I I also I also wanted to ask um what's because I've seen your leadership style and I've seen you where um and it was amazing to me. Like you blessed my life with your leadership where it's like People say, we should do this. We should do that. And it's like, okay, I'll put you in charge of that. I'll That's put right. you in charge of that. And, and it's just the way you did that, it was just like, and it wasn't like because you had, it wasn't like a, a, a punishment. Right. It was like, I empower you to now go forth and, right. and, and do this. So uh, my question is, what's one of the most important things you learned about leading people? Well, I, I have often taught and sometimes I do workers' meeting for pastors in different conferences, and one of the things I teach them is this. The greatest lesson any leader could learn in terms of leadership is leadership is relationships. Hmm. You cannot, especially in a volunteer organization like a church, you cannot ask people to do things unless you have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You will not get major support. When you have relationships with people, they, are, they will want to do everything you ask them to do because they are invested in this thing through you. When you treat people with respect, mm-hmm. 
when you affirm people publicly for what they do, everybody wants to do. But if you do not have the ability to say, thank you, I appreciate it. You did a great job. That was marvelous. Thank you for helping. And if you say thank you often and every time people do something, these volunteers get empowered. So the greatest lesson for leadership, at least in my life, mm -hmm. is relationships. Build relationships with people through respect, through affirmation, through love, and through sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When people know you sacrifice, you work hard, they work hard. Mm -hmm. If you're not the boss, you're just bossing them around. That's going to only last for just a little while. But if you are out there working with them, if you're affirming them, mm -hmm. if you're recruiting them, if you're training them, that's all part of volunteerism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. Now, I, I, I will say it sounds good, but it sounds like it takes a lot of time like to build relationships with with different people, and it's like, well, I, I have this to do. Like, I have to go back. I need to study. I need to – Is well, of course, there has to be a balance. But is is there one that's more priority over the other, or how, how does that work? Because it just seems like you could you can relationship, relationship yourself out. Yeah. The thing is that the balance comes with mixing ministry gifts that you see in people with ministry task. Mm -hmm. If you as a leader, I'm able to take you and put you in the treasury because I know you have an aptitude for that. Mm -hmm. You're matching ministry task with ministry gifts. Gotcha. The relationship only is the icing on the cake because mm -hmm. if you make someone, you, you help someone fit into his natural giftedness, it's easy. Mm -hmm. I got you. But if you were to ask me to be the special uh, divine service meditation singer this Sabbath, <laughs> you would have just messed up and I would be worn out. I'll be nervous all week long. I would be miserable trying to get it together. But if you ask me, say, to do a little Bible study or to do a reading or to read the scripture, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's within my giftedness. Right. Part of leadership, while relationships are important, relationships is what helps to uh, win that person to you and to the cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what the relationship does. But you also have to go behind that to not wear the people out and wear yourself out by matching ministerial gifts with ministerial tasks. Nice, nice. I, I definitely that that's 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 words of wisdom right there. Yeah. That's 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 yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's next for Dr. Abraham J. Jules? Well, I was planning on uh, retiring when I hit 62, which is this year. Okay. But my wife told me I can't do it. She said, <laughs> she said, if our kids go to Oakwood, you have to keep working because that's how we get a little uh, subsidy if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm, I'm an active worker in the conference. If I'm a retiree, no subsidy. Yeah. But I'm not ready to retire either. I, I enjoy ministry. I enjoy what I do. Mm -hmm. I enjoy being around people. Right. It helps me. I mean, I'm excited just to be around people. And ministry affords me that. Um, but I just enjoy, listen, I've learned um, Mother Teresa was once interviewed by 
Senator Mark Hatfield of Oregon. And he says to her, he says, Mother Teresa, how is it that you can go out in the streets of Calcutta every day with its teeming millions of people and hope to make a difference? How is it? You're just a little bitty woman, Hungarian woman, mm-hmm. on the streets of Calcutta. Millions of people. And you think you're making... And she said something that has been really the motto of my life. She said, Senator, God didn't call me to be successful. God called me to be faithful. Mm. And mm-hmm. that's why every way I go, every you know church I'm given, I go, I do the best I can, and I try to be faithful with it. Mm. So in terms of long-range plans, I, I don't have really, this is, I aspire to this. If it mm-hmm. comes to me, I serve. If I'm not, I just continue doing what I do. Yes. And I believe when I retire, I will continue to preach. If God gives me health and strength, I'll continue to visit the sick because it's it's who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not what I do only, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the best part of of finding finding what it is you, that God has called you to do. That's it, correct. It stops being work. It's just, this is what I do. Yeah, you get tired because, you know, That's we're right. human or That's whatever. Right. But when you once you get refreshed and, you know, you eat some food, you get some sleep, it's like... Back to it again. Here we go. Let's, yeah. let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> That's <laughs> so right. That's, That's awesome. Right. I, I That's like right. it. Um, right. So how can people find you? How can they support? I don't know if, you know, yeah, if you're a sure. social media person or... <laughs> yeah, well... Um, we, my church is CWC, uh, SDA on both YouTube, Facebook. We have a live stream every Sabbath. We do a full service at my church every Sabbath. Nice. Um, that's CWCSDA.com, CWCSDA.org. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get our messages there and our service. Right. Um, also, uh, when you, uh, tune into us, we show you ways you can support the ministry at our church. Uh, so that's probably, it, it, I guess, the easiest way to find us. Right, yes. right, 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 right. Yes. And I'll, I'll put all of the links in the description. Great. You know, for, Great. for, for, for anyone looking right. for that. Um, right. I, I appreciate you, Dr. Jules. Any final thoughts or words of advice to listeners? Well, uh, let me say, first of all, Terrence, I, yeah. I am proud of the quality work you do with this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank God. Awesome work. <laughs> Uh, I would just say to one and all, uh, we don't know what the future holds, but we are always certain that God who started this good work in us mm-hmm. will perform it until the day of his appearing. Amen. I'm always Amen. believing that tomorrow is going to be a better day. I'm always a believer that if I keep holding on, God will work it out for me in time. I don't know how, don't know when, mm-hmm. but I do know. That if God be for us, who in this world can be against us? Amen. Amen. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you again for your time. Um, what, what we're going to do is we're going to play a Words for Life track um, at the end. So uh, all of that can be found at BeMoreToday.com. If you want to find out more about Words for Life, it's B-E-M-O-R-E-T-O-D-A-Y.com. You can um, subscribe to our email list and get all the information. We have a we have a Black Lives Matter um, oh, virtual race that we're doing. 
you know, to support Black History Month. That's the whole month of February. You could do four miles, uh, calculate it in. You get, you know, uh, register and you get some gifts uh, for that as well. Um, but everything is on the site, bemoretoday.com. And I appreciate you listening. Uh, remember to subscribe, like, um, share it with a friend. Again, we appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Jules. Um, My pleasure. Yes, yes. And I, I always like to end with this. Remember, walking through life with God has amazing benefits. So let the podcast inspire you to be the best you can possibly be with God. And with that, we're out. Let me make this very clear. Do you want to understand purpose right now? Everybody in this room will walk out of here knowing what purpose is, but I'm about to drop on you right now. When Jesus turned 12 years old, his parents took him to Passover and they somehow lost sight of Jesus. When they went to go find him, these are the words that came out of his mouth. The words were, uh, wish ye not that I should be about my father's business. Jesus knew from day one what his purpose was in life. We're teaching our children that purpose is being financially secure and obtaining the American dream. Go to the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's trying to even figure out, should I even go forward with the mission for my life? Should I even go forward? Did he not ask the question? He says, if it's possible, let's not, let's not water this thing down. He was trying to figure out, and do, is this thing worth it? Jesus felt that way. And, and who did he go to? He went to his father. And then, what were his words? Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But know who, notice who he's dealing with. He ain't dealing with his parents. He's not talking to his pastor. He's saying, Father, 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 Father. See, we've been told all our lives, he loves me. He died for me. He, he came down here for me. Yes, he did. But what got Jesus through in life was not you. Now, that upset somebody in here. Jesus loves me this. Yes, he loves you. Yes, he loves you. He loves you so much. But know this. What got him through was not his love for you. Come on, let's be real for a minute. Now, I'm an an ex-porn addict. Okay? So let's, let's let's just take off all the mask right now. Just be honest in here. Now, all of us have something in our lives that we're ashamed of. All of us have come out of something. But know this, can you imagine being Jesus, looking 2,000 years in advance, looking at my life, looking at your life, and using that as motivation to go forward? Forward, 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 forward. And see, I'm trying to make a bigger point here. Most of us, our lives, in terms of purpose, are driven by other people. Jesus was not driven by people. What was he driven by? John 8, verse 29. Here it goes. Are y'all ready? What drove Jesus? For I always do those things that please him. That please him. That please him. Ain't enough to come in here and just enjoy good sermon. Ain't enough just to come in here and lift holy hands. Ain't enough to sing in a praise team. Ain't enough to shout and enjoy church and do nothing when you leave. What we've got to find out is what is it that I'm here for? The first thing you need to discover is you live your life to please him. So how do I discover what I'm here for? First, you got to talk to him.
you got to get in the word. Jesus' steady line of connection was his father. Many of us associate purpose with a profession. I'm a physician, I'm a, a lawyer, I'm a pastor. My purpose is not to be a pastor. Because if I lose my job, does that mean I've lost my purpose? My purpose is not to preach. Because if God takes my voice, does that mean I no longer have any value? Your purpose is not just to sing. Because if you can't sing no more, then what? We have one purpose in life. That's to obey him. Simple as this. When God tells you to do something, obey that. And then, as God is leading you in obedience, he will reveal other things. 